0: Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's show guest is Brian D. Evans, who is an Inc. 500 entrepreneur, was named number seven marketing influencer at Forbes, startup advisor, growth hacker, branding strategist, and the founder and CEO of Influensive. After being turned down by some of the larger publications such as Forbes and Inc. Magazine, Brian launched Influensive as a way to showcase himself as a writer. And in just over a year, he's grown this content platform to attracting one million readers per month. In today's episode, Brian gives us some key tactics and actionable insights on how to increase your chances of getting featured at larger publications, including how to come up with the best title for your article, and exactly how long your post should be. Let's jump right into this episode. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us and coming on The J. Kim Show. We're happy to have you. For our audience who might not have heard of who you are, can you please give us a quick introduction? Who's Brian D. Evans, and what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you having me here. So I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I made the Inc. 500 list a couple years ago of one of the fastest growing advertising agencies in America. I run a motivational platform called Influensive.com, and I've been doing a lot more personal branding lately. have sort of inadvertently stumbled across this combination of brands meeting personal brands. So I'm a writer for a lot of different platforms. I write for Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, and of course my own site, Influensive.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So Influensive is actually really taking off. I mean, if for our audience listening, if if you follow the online marketing or entrepreneurship or pretty much anything online, digital marketing-wise, um, you'll see Influensive pop up as one of the uh, the places where a lot of the uh, attention is is going to. And and so it's quite an impressive feat that you pulled off, Brian. So maybe you could take a step back and give us a little bit of background, you know, sort of how you came up. And if you were, you know, were you a... uh, a born and bred entrepreneur from the get, uh, like baseball cards, <laughs> lemonade stands type guy, or or did you stumble upon this entrepreneurship somewhere along the way?
1: No, actually the story for me started in school. I, I struggled in school big time. I, I basically didn't fail, but I just didn't do very well. I you know I wasn't good at school. You know from the f- get go they took the pencil out of my left hand and put it in my right hand, and right. everything was backwards for me. So I really struggled in big time in school. So I had to sort of learn how to learn myself because I felt mm. I felt like I wasn't getting it. I was in a very very small town no offense to the school system there but it was you know <laughs> old school so they did, they weren't they were tip. they were used to teaching for the masses not teaching individually So um, I struggled a lot in school. Basically, you know, video games taught me entrepreneurship. Um, You know, I learned from video games that you can fail and you can can lose and then still come back and get up again and and give it another go. So I learned that from video games and I had this mindset of, okay, what can I do? First Fast and the Furious came out, I was into cars. I just got my driver's license at that point, I think, or I was (laughs) close to it um and i was into that whole world of uh you know import cars and doing modifying them and things like that and i realized that people wanted these flamethrower things that came out of the back of the car for the car shows and stuff oh yeah yeah so i was like okay let me figure out how to make these so i went to a friend we figured out how to make them i started selling them on ebay they did pretty well they sold quite a bit for you know for a 16 and a half 17 year old kid at the time um (laughs)
0: <laughs> I have always wondered what what the, first of all are they legal?
1: Well today no, I mean not on the street. Like <laughs> yeah. back then there weren't specifically laws like necessarily that you couldn't right. do it, but it was you know the, the the pitch was that it was for car shows whether people use it for that or not is <laughs> anybody's guess, but anyway, so they they you know they did they did well, they sold really well. Somebody came to me when I was 18, 18 and a half and said, "Hey, we want to buy your business." And at this point I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur, so I was like, "Okay," Cool for me for you know it's 18 and a half year old at the time that really disliked school. I was like, huh, this is cool. Okay, I'm gonna sell it. So I sold the business, you know, not not a huge amount, but a good amount for a kid at the time. So then I was like, okay, what else can I do online? I sold these things on eBay. What else is out there? So I got into like early SEO and figuring out how to get lots of traffic online. Hmm. So this is over 12 years ago at this point when this SEO was like just becoming a thing. It wasn't even really, I don't even think it was called that at that point. Um, So I was figuring out how to get traffic online. So I started generating lots of traffic, started putting ads up, making quite a bit of money from ads. But then I said to myself, okay, well, how else can I make money? Someone's making money off me from these ads. So I got into selling other people's stuff, everything from health products to just various physical products. Eventually got into apps that way because I realized that, you know, people wanted to, they wanted this, this market, they wanted marketing, they wanted traffic, right? What I learned was how to convert, how to get people to buy things, how to get people to take action on specific things online in addition to getting all this traffic. So, you know, I went down this whole path of I got into. To apps when they came out i worked with some of the big games early on and just driving lots of traffic to them they would pay me every time i got an install and again i'd work with the health products they'd pay me every time i got a sale and then i right. said to myself okay well someone's making a lot of money off me again i should you know start my own thing so i started this health company we sold a whole bunch of white labeled Uh, Health products online, everything from women's beauty products to weight loss products to men's muscle gain products, just no real brand behind them, though, just random names like nothing anybody's ever heard of and just selling as much volume as we could um, using the psychology of getting people to buy things online. Right. But I kind of got bored with all that because I was like, eh, you know, my I'm not putting my name behind this. I don't really believe in it. Just some random brand that I came up with last night. It's not like, you know, it wasn't a whole branding thing. And I eventually like had this moment where I was like, okay, well, I want to do something for, for, you know, a bigger purpose rather than just making money.
0: Right. Was the stuff before that that you were doing with with the driving traffic and was that just you yourself or did you actually work with partners? Or Pretty much.
1: Say? I have a partner who is still my partner to this day that we did a lot of the health stuff with. And some of the app stuff, but pretty much up until you know a few years ago, I was pretty much a one-man show. I would hire like VAs and contractors and, mm-hmm. and things like that to sort of help me do specific tasks. But I never had any employees. And I, you know, I had a business partner at one point, but most of the time was kind of this like solo journey. And occasionally I'd partner with people on certain specific projects, but mostly kind of a one-man show. And I I kind of I was always the person that just didn't really like to explain things to other people and, and kind of slow me down, so to speak. Like my mind right. worked in weird ways. So I was like, no, nah, I just got to run with it, <laughs> which is good right. and bad, right? Sometimes you, you fail even bigger because you think you're into something and it's, it's a horrible idea. Um, other times it works better, right?
0: Well, it's you know, it's funny because I think a lot of entrepreneurs suffer with the same with the similar thing, this sort of you know, quote unquote superhero syndrome or whatever of where you, you're the, you can do the stuff the best. And a lot of times it actually is true. you know, for example, just something as simple as like using a concierge service to book a reservation. Yeah. I, it's like rather than send the email back and forth, it's so much easier for me to just pick up the phone and call the restaurant myself, right? But, you know, I mean, it's that's a very simple example of uh, of that. But, you know, there are times where it's it, it's good to outsource. And if you can learn how to let go of some of that stuff, I think it it really is helpful,
1: yeah, totally. I think it really comes down to an individual level because, like one example is for me, people always ask me, like, what are your routines? ok? And uh, right. you know, it's it's weird to say, but like, I don't have root like I have a couple routines that I do, but, I don't, I think it again comes back to the individual basis, like whatever works for you. Like for me, I just love not having a specific routine set because to me, like having the exact same thing on my calendar or doing the exact same thing every day is kind of like torture for me. If I have too many things scheduled, like if I have more than like four or five meetings scheduled a day, I just freak out. Like it's just, it's just, I just can't do it. So I'm more spontaneous. And there there's there's many examples of really successful entrepreneurs that are more on the spontaneous side. Like Warren Buffett's an example. Like he doesn't even schedule, I'm not this extreme, but he doesn't even schedule meetings more than like a day in advance. Like he says, if you want to call, if you want to meet with me tomorrow, just, just call me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I get that. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, Brian, is these days, like everyone, there's such a focus now on trying to to hack everything and streamline and, yeah. and cherry pick tactics from successful people and blah, blah, blah. And and a lot of times yeah. that it doesn't, wor- it doesn't scale like that because no. every person is unique. You know, what Everybody's works unique. for one person definitely doesn't always work for the next so you're you're absolutely right it's it's a personal thing right
1: it really is yeah it's it's um and i I tell people that all the time you know i think we we idolize people right we take a look at someone like tim ferris or tony robbins and we say wow Mm -hmm. tony robbins jumps on trampolines and you know does this priming exercise every morning and it's fired up and you know that's cool like that works for tony and like that might work for many other people but it might not work for you right so Um, I think you really have to like, you know, and it comes back to like knowing yourself and just seeing how your body and your mind and everything works and just responding to it. I think people are so used to like just taking a system and going with it that they don't actually slow down to be present in that moment and say, is this actually working for me? Like a relationship, right? Like, you know, you can have the hot guy or the hot girl and be like super excited about it. But at the end of the day, like that's only going to last so long, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> 10 years, 20 yeah. years from now, they might not be the hot guy or the hot girl anymore. Who knows,
0: right? Um, so yeah. you, you,
1: know, you have to slow down. It's the same thing there. You have to kind of slow down and say, is this the right sort of fit for me after a certain period of time, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's a, that's a good point. Okay, so after you were doing your sort of health supplements and white labeling, what was the next step? You decided that you wanted to do something a little bit more personal, right, with your name behind it
1: yeah, so there's one more there was one more step between that and the in sort of the the personal side of branding for me was I so I had a whole bunch of people coming to me and saying, "Hey, we want you to do what you just did for us. So that's how I got into starting my agency. Um but with the agency, what I learned early on was, hey, I can pick projects that I really want to work on. I had been lucky to be relatively successful up to that point. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this agency thing, I really want to be able to you know be able to hand pick clients and projects that i work on so that kind of that was a good warm-up because you know i was working with a lot of other personal brands and bigger companies and and brands that wanted to do like branding and sort of getting their message out there so i had a lot of warm-up before i got into a lot of my own stuff Mm. um so i was working with celebrities and just different people some of them most of them i can't talk too much about but Um, Just working with a lot of, you know, musicians and actors and just, you know, CEOs and just helping them with their branding, helping them, you know, do writing and and getting sort of getting their personal message out. Because here's the interesting thing. If you look at any of the most successful companies in the world, what do you think Mm -hmm. of a person? Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, right? right? Apple, Steve Jobs, right? Microsoft, Bill Gates. So if you right. if you look at any of these, these, these companies that are still doing really well, and if you think about some of the ones that are not doing well, you don't think of a person. So I realized at one point that, hey, the person and the message and the actual story is not really the company's story. It's kind of the people. You know, Microsoft mm. story is like the Bill Gates story. Right. Facebook story is like the Mark Zuckerberg story. It's like been made into a movie. You know, so right. the Snapchat even, like the, the guys behind them. So right. people connect with people. They don't connect with like some yeah, mysterious yeah. brand at the top of the mountain that they, that's, you know, got dark sunglasses on and <laughs> they come, they connect with, uh, with people. So that's how I got into sort of doing my own. I, I realized at one point I said, okay, I'm doing all this stuff for everybody else. I need to do something for myself. So I wanted to be a writer for, for different platforms. I started submitting content, got rejected, 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 rejected. Tried to get into like Forbes and Inc Magazine, Entrepreneur, all those kind of business motivation mm-hmm. kind of sites, mm-hmm. just got rejected. Um, so I was like, okay, what else should I do? I had this domain, it was called com. I, I knew I wanted to, I had it for like five years. I knew I wanted to do something with it. Um, so I just said, okay, let's use this. I'm gonna put a solo author kind of blog. So I started right. posting content. And after a while, like the first content, honestly, wasn't so good. Like, you know, I got a lot of not negative feedback, but just, you know, super critical feedback of, hey, the ending wasn't so strong, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, but what happened was in time, it got better and better and better. And then at one point about, you know, a month in, this has been January 2016, about a month in i started getting requests and said hey can we write for the site too it's it's you know i can't believe how awesome it's it's become blah 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 and i said okay so i started letting other people write for the site right. and then before i knew it there was like 10 people 20 people 30 people 50 people 100 people and all these people wanted to write for the site and it kind of became like this marketing channel too because all these writers and people wanted to write some of them were really established and then about right. two three months in i resubmitted to ink magazine and they, they were like, yeah, cool. We love what you've been writing, et cetera. Um, so I got, I got a column on there. So it started all coming together. Um, this is kind of influences in my sort of personal branding. I had, you know, people in the industry who knew me, knew me, you know, they, they knew a lot about what I've done. But like in the public sense, nobody really knew much about me. Right. But it all started coming together when I started writing on all these platforms because I was sharing my experience combined with like a message of how someone else can go and do that that thing. So, Influensive really took off that year. I mean, it was largely, I think, due to not just my personal brand, but all the people building their personal brand that were writing for Influensive. Some of them are, now have, you know, got, i'm not saying that it's only due to influenza but some of them have now become relatively famous super famous in some cases um and have these huge audiences online some of the we have writers that reach 20 million people a month wow you know across their different columns so before I knew it, I had got my goal of reaching. I got my Forbes column. I got my Entrepreneur Magazine column. I would got my Ink and my Huffington Post. And I got all those columns in addition to influenza taking off. So it kind of all happened at once. I started getting podcast requests. I started, you know, people wanted me to write books with them. And <laughs> publishing companies started reaching out, asking me to write books. And um, all these things started to happen and take off at once. So um, that's I think, incredible. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you something. When you Uh, Okay, so let's say you probably launched Influensive as your solo author, your own sort of blog, uh, website. What what, what would you say that, that was like end of 2015?
1: It was like end of 2015, early 2016
0: okay so at that point when were you how much content were you publishing I mean were you writing like every day every week like what was the cadence of your of your output
1: <laughs> was, same thing we were talking about earlier it was kind of it was pretty random um, it was sometimes I'd publish like dailies other weeks it would be like once a week I think I went one period where it was like one article in two or three weeks so it was pretty random cuz i was trying to figure out sort of the the formula for it but there really wasn't a formula it was kind of you know there's there's different there's different schools of thought there there's there's the school of thought of yeah you got to publish tons and tons of content and some of these sites do publish tons and tons of content but what happens is and what the benefit right now at least for influential is we're only publishing a couple articles a day So each individual article is getting a lot of traffic and a lot of exposure across social media, across the website, across different platforms, email lists. So as it grows and grows and grows, we'll inevitably have to publish more content, more and more content. But it's kind of at that sweet spot, at least today, of a couple articles a day. But yeah, up until six months ago, it was really random. It was like testing all sorts of different wild theories. And really what I've settled on, at least today, is that it's just a couple articles a day is kind of the sweet spot at this point.
0: Right. And so when when you started, let's say when you started having somewhat of a, a you know a, a database, so to speak, of, of published blog posts or articles, was that, yeah. the, I mean, at what point did you, were you actively still pitching some of the larger publications like Forbes, Inc. and stuff like that? Or... Was it kind of you were just mostly focused on Influensive and then some of your articles just kind of got fell into their laps so they kind of reverse-inquiried you?
1: Yeah, I mean, what happened was I was – it was kind of like a social proof thing. I wanted – you know, Influensive wasn't Influensive then. It was – people didn't see it like that. They It was just kind of a smaller site. So um, I wanted to sort of establish myself and prove that I could be a writer on these other sites still. So I was kind of, you know, still in this like proving myself mindset um so i was i wanted those other columns to show people that wow brian's writing for this in this site we should definitely check out influenza next time we see an article so it indirectly sort of helped build influenza because they saw they saw me, at least personally, as wow, he's writing for Forbes. That's amazing. Um then they would look at any 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 then what happened was I I got this following of people. Um, now in the hundreds of thousands, I have two hundred and sixty thousand people that follow me on Twitter and hundred thousand on Instagram and you know, different platforms. And um, I've got this whole following of people that just doesn't really matter at this point where I publish something. They just want to see what I'm writing. Right. So um, and I'm not saying that's the only reason influenza is what it is, but that's just one of the contributing factors that helped get it up till that point.
0: So it was like a, it was like a virtuous cycle almost where you would, <laughs> where people would notice you uh, and then would it would drive organic traffic back to influenza, which was your in- initial goal anyway. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, yeah. and then, so, okay. So let's say, cause I know there's a lot of listeners uh, and myself included who would love to pu- to publish on not only Influenza, but maybe r- write a guest post for Forbes yeah. or Inc one of these. I mean, I think that's, that's people are, people want that as social proof and how, well, in your experience, how long sort of does it take once you start, trying to publish and you're writing consistently whether it's on your own blog or on your medium or your LinkedIn or maybe you get one or two you know larger publications that 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 you pitch and they, they publish your stuff you know because I, I hear I hear both sides where it's like you know you have to write for three years and then you'll get your chance or and then when I hear your story it's it, like you extremely quickly uh, we're able to not only build up Influenza, but also yep. become quite an authority amongst all the big names. So, what would you say is the best, most effective way to to streamline that process?
1: I would say, first of all, you know, everybody's on their own sort of time path. But what I, one thing I want people to really know: don't fall into the trap of saying, "Yeah, I got to get you know, I got to get 100 rejection letters before I'm going to get published," because then that can become like you, you can like in, subconsciously like you know. Ca- cause yourself to fail <laughs> by thinking right. that oh, I need a hundred rejections, or you know, I need to be rejected for three years before I'm going to get anywhere. So right. for me, what I there's a couple things that I realized that helped me go faster, and I think this is what'll help other people as well. So the first, the first tip that I realized, mm-hmm. um, the simplest way to to create good content was like take questions that people commonly ask you no matter what you're an expert in. It doesn't matter if you're an expert in cameras, Rubik's cubes, internet marketing, uh, social media, whatever it mm. happens to be. It can be even the most random thing because you will have other people that want f- to want to know about that. Take those questions that they ask you if you see it more than once, um, depending on the size of your audience. Um, use that as a basis to write about something. So like, and I and I literally still use this formula to this day. I'll hear somebody say, well, Brian, how do I, get to, you know, 100,000, 100,000 followers on Facebook in 30 days, if I really had to do it in 30 days. And I, and I yeah. a, had that question like a number of times. So I wrote an article about it. <laughs> I said, if you nice. want to get 100,000 followers on Facebook in 30 days, this is how you would do it. And I made an article about that and it took off and people wanted to see it. But it, and it came from just people asking me that question. So whatever people ask you commonly, use that as the basis of what you're going to write about. It does help to have a body of work. If you have, you know, what you can do is if you don't have access to, uh, you know, a, a platform to write, on yet Um, you can get access to like a medium Um, you can write on LinkedIn you can even write a post on Facebook you can write a post on Instagram Instagram is kind of like a blogging platform now you can put put a picture up or something and then Mm -hmm. you can leave a long comment that's basically like look at someone like uh, you know um, an Andy Frizzella or um, even Mm -hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk does it too they they leave long sort of captions rather that's um, basically like a blog post. So, you, you know, you can test whatever platform you have access to, and you will have access to something to put that body of work out there. And then as that stuff starts to do well, what you can do is to help reinforce your pitch to other platforms, you can go to them and say, Hey, here's my other articles that are out there, they're doing pretty well. I think if it was on a bigger platform like yours, it'd be do, doing really well. So it's, you know, having that body of work, which everyone can do. Uh, I think what people make the mistake of with writing is they try to create this like perfect thing, right? And it's kind of, it's kind of like throwing darts at a wall. Honestly, it's you. If you think about it, in this, if you think about it, like you're going to put out your, you know, it's not writing a book, okay? Writing right. articles online is not a book. It's like you're not <laughs> spending two years of editing to to put out this perfectly polished product. That's not a book. Right. It's less polished than that. It's hey, people ask me this question. I'm going to write about it. It's t- you're going to misstep sometimes. You sometimes it's not going to work. You're going to put out articles and they're just not going to get any traction. People aren't going to like it. What you'll realize after, what people will realize after a while too is that the headlines and how they see them before they click on them is super important. There's mm. a number of tools that'll help you. Um, there's one called co-schedule headline analyzer. It's free. People can Google that and it'll give you like a score on your headline. It'll say, oh, you know, you needed more power words or you need more emotional words.
0: Co- what did you say it was? Co-schedule
1: was it? headline analyzer. If you Google that, um, the tool will come up. It's free. You just basically copy and paste your headline in there and it'll, it'll give you a score and it'll say like, oh, it's, you know, it's pretty low. It's, it's, it's a 50. Um, it It's like 0 to 100, I think, is a score. You want to be somewhere over like a 65. But it'll tell you. It'll say, you know, you need more emotional words or power words or, you know, stuff like that. That's pretty cool. We'll
0: have that linked up.
1: Yeah. How you frame the content is is almost more important than the actual content. Because if nobody clicks on it, if nobody sees it, what does it matter that you wrote it, right?
0: Right. And so what do you think about... So uh, then, that, then there's the whole you know, long form versus short form and and medium form? And what's the ideal length of an article? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, people have a short attention spans, okay? So, if your article is more than 800 words, you need it to be extremely authoritative. You need to quote Mm -hmm. famous people. You need to have pictures. Yeah. If it's more than 800 words, it needs to be extremely, extremely good. Then you're getting more into the category of like polished, polished work. But for majority of articles, 500 to 800 words is the sweet spot, especially if you're mainly sharing them on social media and things like that. If you have a big built-in audience that wants to know, you know, wants to read 5,000 words about some super high tech or, you you know, detailed topic of some kind. You know, if you're an expert in some kind of, you know, camera technology and you want to write a, a white paper on it. Sure, you can do that. But if you want to, you know, reach people in the business or entrepreneur or motivational kind of spaces, it needs to be short and sweet because people, you know, there you, you have hundreds, thousands of sites and articles competing for their attention. Just reading an article these days, there's there's pop-ups and things happening to try to distract them and get them away from the article. So what I haven't seen is the sweet spot is really 500, 800 words or so. And people can read that in, you know, under 10 minutes, um, you know, more like five, depending on the person um, and the formatting of the articles is also super important so more so than length the formatting so if you put a giant block of text on a screen nobody's gonna read it <laughs> <laughs> so you know you need to have sub-headlines and you know bold underlined things think about it like you you know you're trying to get people down to the next point so you can have pictures in there sometimes occasionally you can have you know sub-headlines and different things to kind of keep them moving along if you put a giant block of text people look at it and go oh man that looks like a lot of stuff even though it's the exact same amount of words right. it just looks like more so it's it's the formatting as much it is keeping it relatively short at least to start and once you build a huge audience that wants to you know hear about something in more depth then you can go into bigger articles or if you're if you're taking it entirely the seo approach where you're trying to get traffic from seo longer content could do well but in terms of actually getting people to read and follow you and, and stay following you, you you want it to be short and sweet
0: Nice, good, good tips, Brian. Was there one piece that you did that you remember uh, in your in the first whatever six months that you that you knew what just kind of was the tipping point or the turning point that maybe got picked up by some uh, larger publication or maybe just went viral on Influensive?
1: Yeah, um, I wrote an article called "Creating the Inevitability of Success Mindset," and I think maybe the headline combined with it was on Influensive actually. Um, it had like eight hundred thousand reads in like wow. you know, thirty days or something like that. Um, wow. So it was one. Of, it was still, still to this day one of one of my most read articles. And basically, the idea was, which is really simple but strong, is that people go through life. They'll say to themselves, "I'm gonna try to start a business," or "I'm gonna," I might make a change in my job one day, or I'm going to, I'm going to try to be successful one day. And they use all these like conditional statements. Mm-hmm. So what I realized works for me. And I think other people resonated with this. That's why they read it. That's why they shared it so much was that if you remove those conditional statements, and it's not an ego thing, it's not like you're an egomaniac and you, you think everything's going to be successful, but when you remove the conditional statements, you believe in yourself more. So every time I say to myself now, I'm going to try to do this, I reframe immediately and say, I'm going to do this. Right. And that simple shift for me was a huge turning point in my life, really, of just believing in myself more. So this, it sort of, be, going to the title, it sort of helped make your success inevitable because you actually believe in yourself. Right. So that was one of the ideas of the article. And then the other idea is, is simple. Tony Robbins talks about this a lot. You know, you'll know, you see somebody sitting on a couch, like slumped over by, you know, a bag of potato chips in front of them. And they saying, I don't know what's wrong with my life. Huge frown on their face and tony would say to them well maybe it's your face (laughs) and they've got this huge frown on their face so our physicality is super important our posture how we carry ourselves even our face we have like 42 muscles in our face i think tony says and you know something as simple as like smiling or or standing up straight or they call it there's one called power posing where you put your hands on your hips like superman and stand up straight and it right, literally right. changes your body like you you do that before like some important meeting or something and you'll just be fired up so i think people just overlook some of these simple things and that but that that's i think why that article took off is because it was just kind of highlighting you know short short and sweet but highlighting important things that people overlook
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So Brian, we have to look to wrap up soon. Uh, just a couple more questions. So what do you, I mean, you've made an a, a cr- incredible progress in say the last 12 to 18 months. What does the next 12 to 18 months look like for you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my, my struggle in, <laughs> my struggle with influenza, the one struggle is that I, I, you know, I started as this project that I was deeply passionate about. I'm like, and I've always said to myself, I don't want to monetize. I don't want to sell courses and products. And I don't, yeah. don't want to make it into this like thing where it's people see it as like, a, I don't want to turn it into another site where it's just ads all over the place and, you know, buy this course and buy this thing. So my biggest struggle with Influensive was, was really not monetizing it as heavily as I know I could have. So mm-hmm. the next sort of thing for Influensive is we're doing a mastermind group. So there's, ah. so basically taking 20 people, 20 people that, you know, this is not for everybody. This is for people that have already sort of seen and smelt that success, but there's mm-hmm. a contest for people that maybe haven't been that successful yet or, or just, you know, haven't, you know, um, uh, made it on that level yet. It's at influence slash contest, and they can win a free spot at this mastermind, oh, um, nice. by going to that link. So, but yeah, the next, the next thing is sort of, you know, putting together some some indirect ways to to monetize something that I don't really want to monetize. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because right. I, I really want to keep it, like th- as much as I am an entrepreneur, I don't want this to be a business, but I, I know that I have to make it that. So my goal with Influenza was always just reaching and inspiring as many people as possible. It wasn't to make money with it, but it's become so big at this point my entrepreneurial mind is like, okay, you got to do something (laughs) Uh, on the monetization side. And it is, I'm not saying it's not making money, but you know, the next step, next phase is to sort of expand out of just articles. And we're getting into video content. Now we're doing lots of stuff on Instagram. We're doing, we have a huge YouTube channel. So it'll be doing other types of content and then events um, like this mastermind. We might do bigger events in the future, but um, to start with, it's the mastermind.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. I know you're going to do well. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. last two questions. And the last one is just where people can find you. So the second to last question is just one piece of parting advice, you know, uh, given what you've accomplished and how much success you've had, what can you leave our, our listeners with? Uh, just one uh, a snippet maybe that you can uh, leave for them. I think for most people, the,
1: you know, and this is, this is simple advice, but most people just overlook this all the time. And it just, it absolutely drives me crazy. Like I've literally, my goal in life over the last 10 years has been to make doing a superpower. So doing things, taking steps forward, no matter if it's a small step or a big step forward has made me successful because again, going back to my video game mindset thing that I was talking about earlier, you're going to fail. You're going to take missteps. But if you don't take those steps, if you don't actually start, you're not going to get anywhere. So um, my advice to people is look at it like a video game. You know, unless you die, you're getting stronger. You're growing in some way or another, right? So so it's okay to fail. It's okay if your business doesn't do well. It's okay if you start something that doesn't do well. It's okay if you write an article and nobody likes it. It's okay. So the most important piece of advice there is think
0: about it like a video game. You know, you can take steps. And if they don't, if you don't do well, you can start over again. Awesome, awesome advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Where's the best place people can find you and connect with you other than obviously Influencers?
1: Yeah, Um, Brian D. Evans on any platform, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Brian D. Evans.
0: Brian D. Evans, great. Thanks so much again, Brian. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks for having me, appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Jay Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at Kimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week.